Amen. God bless you. Glad you're all here. Someone was trying to tell me what Ron said about me and my phone, and I didn't hear it, so I'm going to just refrain. Yeah, it's not, that's, not what, that's not the report I got. But Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. The one thing that they didn't talk about is how much that they have um, applied God's Word and God's principles to their finances as well as tithing and how much God has blessed them. And God's a God that honors His Word, and giving is a big part of that. And I want you to tell you, church, that there is a lie within Satan trying to get you to hang on to your finances and that the church is trying to get your money. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need it. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. God's doing just fine. But what he does need for you to do is to follow him. And part of that is just to surrender your life. And your life includes your money. And if you surrender to him, he's faithful and just to do everything that he said in his word. And God's so good. So I want to encourage you. Take that word that Ron had about uh, making a commitment to giving. doesn't matter whether it's raining or snowing. doesn't matter whether it's good or it's bad. Do God's word. God's word is always true. Always. And God's able to bless you in the, in the harvest season and in the rainy season. Seasons don't matter to God. God can get his blessings to you. They will find you and overtake you. Amen? That's God. Let's do things God's way. That's what today's message is about. Uh, I want to pray. Normally, I have my beautiful wife up here to pray and to bring us in, getting ready for the message. She is uh, with my two youngest daughters at a uh, volleyball, travel volleyball trip in Knoxville. They're playing as we speak. She's been texting me all morning. Uh, Lots of volleyball drama. In fact, here comes another one. I'm going to try not to look too much, but I am going to look a little. Um, I think it's important. I mean, this, I'm going to certainly stay focused on what I do, but families, families first. God comes first in your life and then family. And then everything else is kind of, kind of, kind of gets, needs to get in the right order. But family needs to be at the top of your priority. And family is a big part of church on the hill. And uh, I, I hate it when my wife's gone. She's my number one intercessor. She's my number one supporter. Um, she's my closest and best friend, and it's not the same when I don't have her up there. Now, I can handle myself together. I can, I can hold it together for one service. But I do want you to know how much I love her and how much I miss her when she's not here. Amen? Amen. I want you to know I believe that that's how the Lord feels about you when you stray off, that he misses you. We sang all this morning about how much God loves you. I don't think we can comprehend how much God loves us. I don't think that we can really grasp how much he hurts over us um, when we're away or when we're hurting. And I want you to know that we've been learning from Hebrews 5 last week and Hebrews 4 the week before that it talks about that we have a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So deep what that means, but today I just want to reiterate that one of the aspects of the high priest is he has to be one of us. He has to have been through what we've been through. He has to have mercy and compassion on the things that we're going through. And Jesus, our high priest, have been, has been where you've been. He's been rejected like you've been rejected. He's been wounded like you've been wounded. He's been hurt. He has been through what you've been through. And he is the one that is representing you. He is now our high priest that goes before God the Father for us to make righteous, to make us righteous. Amen? 
That's what Hebrews chapter 5 was about, was about how Jesus is our high priest. Okay, we ended Hebrews 5 last week talking about we need to get off the milk and onto solid food, right? This isn't your pastor trying to be hateful to you. This is the Word of God trying to get you off the sidelines and into the game. Quit being a spectator and start being a performer. Get yourself in, into the walk with Christ because it is so much better on the field than it is in the pew. It's just awesome, and God's trying to tell us to get moving. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and this is from the message. I'm going to jump to the New King James just once if I can get through it this morning. Uh, it's my intention. This is the message, Hebrews 6. So come on. Let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. (laughs) He's not talking to children. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. Let's get away from the basics. Not get away from them, but let's get moving. We need to move on to the grand work that God has for us. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truth are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. If you will just slow down a minute, I believe that this word will ring completely true for you that we are trying to hold everything together on our own. Yeah, we walked an aisle. Yeah, we love Jesus. We sing the songs, and we go to church meetings, and we may even read our Bible. But we're still living in this salvation by self-help. We get in a hole, and we try to get ourselves out of it. We mess up. We try to hide it. We try to cover it. We try to grit our teeth and get through it. But you don't have to live like that. Next verse, here comes, so it said the basic foundational truths are in place. Here they come. Baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. I left out two that when we look in New King James, you're going to see them. Um, And it is repentance and faith. Those two came first. Repentance, faith, baptism, the baptisms laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. God helping us, we'll stay true to all that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. So, the author of Hebrews is telling us that we are supposed to grow up from a state of childhood to the fullness of the stature of the new man in Christ. And in order for this growth, Christians have to leave the principles these principles of the doctrine of Christ, but how, how do they leave them? We don't lose them. We don't despise them. We don't forget them. We've got to lay them up in our heart, lay them up as a foundation of everything that we do out of our own profession and our expectation, but we cannot stay there. We can't rest and stay in those principles. We've got to, we can't always be laying the foundation. 
Now, I think that it's very easy for us to overlook what the, what the author of Hebrews is saying to us here. He's saying that we need to lay the foundation, but we don't need to keep laying it. When you build a home, you don't continue to lay the foundation. You lay the foundation one time, and then you start to build what's supposed to be there. The foundation is not the end product of what we're going for. Christ, uh, the, the author of Hebrews is saying here, the foundation isn't the goal. It's a piece of it, but it's not the goal. I can't imagine living in my house just on top of the foundation. That'd be stupid. I'd die. I'd freeze. Literally, I would have frozen to death if all I did was just live on top of the foundation. It's not the point. But Scripture here is not just telling us to take the foundation and forget it. I'm going to show you in just a second. It's saying to take those foundations and let everything else that you do from this point forward be filtered through those foundations. But don't have to always go back relearning them. Kind of getting ahead of myself. Let's back up. Your walk with Christ. So many times we walk to the altar, give our heart to Jesus, and let me tell you, we mean it. I believe salvation comes. I believe the Holy Spirit comes in and the Spirit of Christ fills us. And we would be, we would be, we are Christians. We are, uh, we have Christ in us. We have been saved. The price of salvation we have received. But the problem is, we walk that aisle, do that, and we just stay there at the aisle, the altar, the rest of our life. We stay at that point, and we never build on what we did that morning, that evening, maybe at home. I got saved. Literally, my mom prayed with me and talked to me. Then I went into my bedroom at five years old, got on my knees, and asked Jesus to come into my heart. Unfortunately, we can stay at that five-year-old state and think we're right. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I gave my heart at five years old. Well, how have you built on that? Well, I haven't. Well, something's wrong. What do you mean? I gave my heart at one one and done. No, I don't think that's right at all. It's not one and done. It's the start. It's not wrong. It's right, but it's the start. In my marriage, I didn't just come up on stage and get married and stay there. We started living. We started building a marriage. Unfortunately, if I don't build my marriage properly, I'll build a wrong marriage. If you're not focused and if you're not intentionally trying to build a marriage according to God's word, you will build the wrong marriage. And that's what Scripture's saying here. We've got to move our relationships. Same thing. So let, let's, uh, let's continue on, and then I'm going to back up. Verse 4. Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven, and have been a part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's Word and the powers breaking in on us, next scripture, if then, now did you catch that? I'll go back. Uh, Liz, go back to verse 4. Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven, and been a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. What this is saying is, once people have truly given their heart to Jesus, been filled with the Holy Spirit, and have experienced God moving in their life, really taken hold of who Christ is. 
Once people have received Christ, gotten a taste of who God is and the work of the Holy Spirit, once they have personally experienced the goodness of God's Word and the powers breaking in on us, are you with me? Once you have achieved that, if then you turn your back on it, washing your hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as though nothing happened. That's impossible. Why? Because they're re-crucifying Jesus. They've repudiated him in public. Next verse. Parched ground that soaks up the rain and then produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener gets God's well done. But if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. It's pretty real. Fields like that are not burned. Fields like that are burned, not harvested. What's this saying? This is going to mess with your theology. Many of you here, this is going to shake you. Be willing to be shaken. Be willing to possibly change your thinking. Historical Southern Baptist belief is this once saved, always saved. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's, uh, it's not a complete statement. This is saying here, and we can go back and look at New King James, that if you really give your heart to Jesus and turn your back, you've got some concerns. It's not that simple. It's not just you just pay your ticket and you're good to go the rest of your life. I believe that that's a lie. Now, I am, I am one that wants to believe almost wholeheartedly that when I become a child of God, I can't undo that. I do believe that. But there are things that argue with me and in my spirit that say it's not quite that clear. My life should show fruit. If I'm really one of Christ's, I will behave like it. It will show. If I'm really Christ's child, it's going to show. So, all I ask you to do is to read, pray, and listen. Because I think that the Lord is saying, it's time for you to wake up and not just stand on what you did at the altar when you were five years old. That's a start. That's a start. Many are looking for God's blessing while not living for God at all. Missed the heart of the gospel totally. Missed the target completely off target. Did you catch that? It said, uh, um, I just want to give you an example, is, is that you think that you are going in the right direction and you've arrived at the right location, but you're actually at the wrong location. It's time to wake up. The problem is, We go on our own way thinking we're going the right way and expecting God to bless us, and He's not blessing us because we have missed the target. God's Word tells me that His blessings will find me and overtake me. I don't have to go stick my head under the faucet. He'll find me. I don't have to worry about me finding Him. No, I do have to worry about me finding Him. I don't have to worry about Him finding me. The job is me finding Him. Let's look at verse 9. I'm sure that won't happen to you, friends. I have better things in mind for you, salvation things. 
God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love that you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. Verse, uh, the next scripture. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep it until the finish line. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Next, word, next scripture. When God made this promise to Abraham, he backed it up to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything that I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by an appeal to some authority above them so that, they're, so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. What this is saying is that the, the promises that was given to Abraham, we learn all throughout scriptures, is that that is a new covenant promise for us, that we are a seed of Abraham, and that... Uh, these promises that were made, when I make a promise, it has to have a, a foundation behind it or no one's going to listen to it. The promises that I make, let's say, to my deacon board or to my worship team or to my children are usually based on my previous experiences. If I tell you we're going to show up and eat lunch together at a certain place and I'm going to buy, if the last time we did that, I showed up later, I didn't even come, or I didn't buy, you're not going to believe me, right? But if I pay, you're going to believe me the next time I say it. Now, I go out with the worship team, the worship team leadership, usually once a month, and I pay. Um, this last time, somebody snuck out their own check and paid. I'm not, point, I'm not pointing anybody out, but it upset me. This is the one little thing that I like to do for, for my team is we pick out songs and pray over our lists and work hard to prepare for what we do on Sunday. And I told this person, don't do that again. Let me do that for you. But I believe that he knows in that situation that when I say I'll do it, I'll do it. Not only will I do it, I want to do it. It's what I want. It's what I want to do. The promises of God are not just things that he's on the hook to do. It's things that he wants to do. Can you get a different picture of who God is? God's not just going to do it because he's obligated to it. Now, he is going to do it because he's obligated to it, but I don't believe that's the intent behind it. I believe it's because he wants that for us. The promises of God, every one of them, he doesn't just promise that he'll do it and he's going to do it. He wants to do it. When you can see that you don't line up with the promises of God, then what needs to happen? You need to line up with them. Because not only will he do it, he wants to do it. I've got a Father in heaven that wants these things for me. And I believe that what the, the author of Hebrews is saying, you know, these foundations are great, but there's a whole nother level to what God wants for you. But you're staying right here, and you need to move. There's more for you. The price that was paid, 
I'm, my voice is cracking. This is just a little piece of it. It goes on for eternity. Imagine a line from here into infinity. This is the start. Have you ever seen that commercial with the bank that the green light starts showing up in the green line? This is the start, and it goes on forever for the rest of your life and into all eternity. There is no end. But this is the start, and so many of us stay right here. Or maybe take a couple steps and stay here and miss what it is that God wants for us. Verse 18, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promise hoped with both hands and never let go. This is New Testament talking about the promises of Abraham, right? Did we not just look at these promises from Abraham just in the scriptures before? Don't lose context of what we're talking about here. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. These promises, not only do we need to know, but we need to expect. That's not being selfish. That's expecting what God has said that he will do for us. When it is not lining up with us, everything has been done. We have the word of God. We have the blood of Jesus. Everything has been done. What's left to be done on our part is our doing. God's going to do his part. He's obligated, but it's his desire. It is his good pleasure to bless you. So, I, I want to just um, tell you where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. I had somebody tell me last week, thank you so much for telling us what we're doing next week. I'd love to be able to read ahead. I'm not great at that, uh, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to stay here in Hebrews 6 um, for about four to six weeks looking at these six foundations, about one foundation a week. That is nowhere near the time that it needs. It is not my job nor the church's job to do everything for you. I get 30 minutes to talk, to try to save you from death. Imagine you only eat for 30 minutes one time a week. Now, you could really pig out if you wanted. I mean, go nuts. But you can, your belly's only so big. And if you overdo it, you're going to vomit it out. Sorry, that's what's going to happen. You can fill your belly just exactly to the right amount and then stop. And that's all you get all week. Well, how would your week go? You'd be miserable. You'd be mean. You'd be angry. You couldn't make good decisions. And you'd probably die. Yet that's how we're trying to make it in our walk with Christ. I'm going to try to point you in the right direction. It's not even me. It's God through Hebrew saying, here are these six foundations to get you from, from milk to solid food. This is not the solid food. This is the milk. So we need to get this done 
and move forward. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1 in New King James, verse 1, and I'm about to close. It should be the next one, Liz. Hebrews 6, there, there we go. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God. So did you catch those two? Those were rewritten in the message, a little bit different. You couldn't hardly even find them. That's why I don't always like the message. We need to have different perspectives. And King James is not the only version of the Bible, by the way. That didn't go over well. (laughs) Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, that's plural, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. So, can you go to the next screen? We are going to be looking at foundations over the next six weeks. I want to encourage you to come. I also want to encourage you, go ahead and click until you get them all up there. Wednesday nights, we're going to start some small groups that are going to be teaching on several of these for about the next six to eight weeks. That's another step that you can take that the church will help you. I would encourage you to do your own studying and then to come and be a part of what we're doing uh, because we need your input. Your part will see things differently. Your experiences and your testimony will help us tighten the screws on truth. Do you hear me? We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. So what needs to happen is you need to take these foundations and you need to study them. And then come up, be a part of the body and iron sharpen iron because you're going to read something on repentance and get a little bit off track. That's why the body is here, for us to communicate and to talk and to say, oh, whoa, 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 you're way out. You, you, you are off the reservation. Come back in here. Or you may be the one to say, no, 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 no. This is what I'm feeling like the, the, the Word is saying. The Holy Spirit will teach us together. But the teaching needs to happen when you go home. And then us come together and let's tighten, tighten up the screws. Have you ever done a, a wood project, like put together? I've, I've had four kids, and we've taken apart our baby crib. Every time the child outgrew the crib, I had to tear it down and then store it and then put it back together with no instructions because you lose the instructions after the first year. And the, the key is that you don't tighten everything down right at first. You, you have to come back and tighten all the screws back down. Make sure it's lined up. Make sure things aren't warped. And that's what happens here is we get out here and we get our, our brains are kind of, oh, man, what's he talking about here? And all of a sudden we start tightening the screws down until we get it. So what does it mean that we build our life on, on let's just take repentance. I'm just going just gonna to share a little bit about where we're going and then I'm going to close. I promise. Do you really believe that promise? I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that you can really believe it the way I've behaved in the, in the past, but I'm going to try. Repentance. So, we start living our life. We're going down the wrong road. We're sinning. We're not getting free of it. We're, we're getting tortured. We're get, our mind's going nuts. We feel guilt. We're, we're in trouble. Um, our, things just where there's no fruit, and the fruit that we do have, we wish we didn't have, and things just aren't good. All of a sudden, somebody comes up in your life and says, hey, dummy, 
Don't you know you can get free of what you're going through? And you start walking back through the, the steps of repentance and understanding. So I need to repent when I sin. When I do repent, um, it literally means to, to change, to turn, to go in a different direction. And I need to stop going in the direction that I'm going in. And when I repent, I get, I get covered with the blood of Jesus because I ask him to forgive of that. And then I choose to not go in that direction any longer. And you get that foundation back in your head and you do it. And you get free. You start to see the fruit of that freedom. But then you get going down the road again and you have another car crash. What I mean is a life moment. You, you mess up. Uh, you fall off the wagon. And let me tell you, people fall off the wagon. Church, quit being so doggone judgmental that if people fall off the wagon, we don't disown them. That's life. We don't go to the, the altar and all of a sudden we never sin again. You're lying to yourself if that's what you think you are. But the problem is, this person falls off the wagon again and doesn't remember how to get back on. Goes on down that path again. Destruction. Horrible. Live. God, where are you? I remember you. But still going in the wrong direction. And has to come back to be taught that study on repentance again. What should happen is I shouldn't have to come back to the study on repentance when I get out here and live, and let me tell you, church, I have sinful thoughts. I have things in my life that I still need to get free of. I am your pastor, but I'm sorry, I'm not the perfect pastor. I'm not. Those others may be, but I'm not. Those of y'all that are close enough to me know it. I'm not. I don't think I ever will be. I'm striving to be, but I don't think that I ever will be until I'm with Jesus Christ, made perfect. So, what should happen is this person received the teaching, walked through it, had somebody with them to help them through it. When they stumbled, right away, acknowledge the stumble, repent, get free, get up, and move on. Instead, we sit here and have to relearn these basics over and over and over and over, and we can never get to the good stuff. It's time to get these in place and leave them behind and go on. If I get sick, it's in there. There's a thing for the laying on of hands for healing. My instructions for my basic falling down Faith, resurrection of the dead, laying on of hands, eternal judgment. These big topics want us to say, what? Resurrection of the dead? Yeah. The problem is you've not been properly taught. Eternal judgment? The problem is you've not been properly taught. Well, let's get that out of the way and live our life. These are the six foundations of Christ through this. Never to have to come back. Never winding up like this again. Which way do I go? Repentance? Faith? Oh, I'm not in the Word. Well, why not? I don't know. I just messed up. I'm not in the Word. Well, then everything else can't be done right because I'm missing my glasses. I see things wrong. Oh. Oh. 
My life should be filtered through these six pieces, not rebuilding these six pieces every single week. We need to move on. So we're going to take the next six weeks and hit these things. On Wednesday nights in small groups, we're going to be hitting these also more in depth. Church, we're trying to do what God's called us to do, but you've got to engage. You've got to engage. You're hurting on your finances. A big piece of that is tithing. God doesn't need your money. I want you to know that we as a church, we've been through a very rough part over the last three or four years, but I want you to know God's got us. God's got us. This isn't us desperately trying to get your money. God wants to bless you. It is his great pleasure to bless you. And I wound up coming back to money. None of these are tithing. Everybody relax. None of these are tithing. But tithing is faith in God. It is faith. It is faith. It's going to be good. I believe the Lord is leading us in the right direction. I am so excited. Our vision to be a loving family that seeks to be transformed. We are to be changed, ever-changing by the good news of Jesus Christ, reaching our community through genuine relationships as we share the hope that is found in Jesus. That's what's going to happen in these small groups is we're going to start studying these things. God's going to walk you through some situations, and you're going to start sharing what it is that's happened to you, and we're going to overcome. Not only that, we're going to get equipped to help the world overcome. And what's going to happen is the world's going to be attracted to it. We're not attractive. Please, I want to say don't take that personally, but take that personally. We're going to get attractive. You know what that means according to Scripture? We're going to be salt. And we're going to be light. And people want that. I love salt. I hate the dark. I love light. That's what we're going to be. That's what I commit to be as a church body. Amen? Amen. Uh, Y'all stand up with me, and I'm going to dismiss you. Please don't run out. Please come out here and have some of our refreshments and, and mingle with each other. Um, there, it, it, it sounds like, I mean, we've been doing it for quite a while now, but I want you to know connections are being made. New connections are being made each week. Um, at the first Sunday of February, we're going to have a church-wide lunch right after service. Um, and I want to encourage you, plan on that. Bring family. Bring friends. And it is only so that we can connect. It's only so that we can connect. We're trying as a church body to help you get connected. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you, needs what you have to offer. So please hang out here with us just for a little bit and just chat. And then you can get home and watch your football game. Go Jaguars. <laughs> I'm kidding. Bruce Romine over there, he has on the predator, Predators, the Patriots sweatshirt. God still loves him, I think. Uh, please hang out with us. We love you. We're fighting for you. Me, my staff, my deacon board, their, their families, we're praying for you. 
This is not something we take lightly. This is serious stuff. We're believing for you. We're believing with you. And I want you to know we have faith. God is with us, and he is with you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for our church. Thank you for this church body that you gave your son for, that you bled and died for. Father, I just ask you right now just to help us to lay these foundations. Help me and help my leadership to to lay these foundations the way it needs to be laid in the church and to help encourage our body to take it and build on it. Let us build according to your word and according to your desire. Father, I just ask right now that your kingdom would come and your will would be done over our lives, regardless of which way we think it should go. God, I need your way. Just plead the blood of Jesus over us this morning. If there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ, I want to ask you to come and find me or find Pastor Justin after service. We want to pray with you. Don't leave here without it. Jesus loves you. He gave everything for you. It's time to receive it. Lord, give us a great week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, meatball subs. We didn't have them last week because we got snowed out. God bless you.